Hello, coconuts. Welcome to another episode of TFC Stock Geek Out. Today, we visit a company that almost everybody knows and uses every day. Unless, of course, you live in China or North Korea. This company is, wait for it, Google or Alphabet. During this period of crazy drawdowns in the market, many investors have turned to companies that generate cash flow and profits. And Alphabet is one of those companies. Not only are they producing insane amount of free cash every quarter, they are still growing and innovating at a healthy clip. And yet, they're already the elephant of the jungle. How much more can they grow? What about their advertising business and their long-run potential of it? Or YouTube? Or their fast-growing cloud segment? We'll dig deeper into all these areas of Google and answer these questions. We'll also find out whether or not this elephant can still grow further. Joining me today is Chris Osanto, the founder of Value Investing Mentorship. He educates business owners and professionals who aspire to develop their stocks investing skills via and high-touch one-to-one coaching. His students include two Forbes 30 Under 30 and many other high-performing business owners. Let's dive in today's episode on Alphabet with Chris. For reference, this episode was recorded on 27th of August, 2022. Our discussion today is solely for education and entertainment purposes. It does not serve as any form of advice or recommendations. Thank you for loving what we do and empowering us financially to do more for you. Now let's geek out. Okay, welcome to Stop Geek Out, a coconut. So today we have a very special guest that's going to cover a very interesting company that pretty much everyone knows unless you're living under a rock, right? So my guest for today on today's Stop Geek Out on the Financial Coconut is Chris Susanto. So I'll let Chris do a little bit of the intro of himself. He's actually a very, very amazing investor. I've listened to a few of his podcasts as well. So Chris, why don't you take it away and share what exactly do you do and your own investing background? Thanks, Max. I've been investing since I was around 20 years old, and it's been a passion of mine ever since. So uh, I'm currently in the middle of uh, starting a fund as well, doing oh, nice. some fundraising, and uh, I have a blog, readingwealth.com, and I also have an education business, mm. VIM, Value Investing Mentorship, yep. where we educate uh, business owners and senior professionals in a high-touch nature of one-to-one or in small groups uh, on really the transformation on how to get the essential life skill of how to invest and grow with listed companies in the stock market through stocks and options. Got it, yeah. So I think the cool part is, uh, Chris, actually, you're not just an investor on your own. You actually teach investing. So you should walk the talk and kind of eat your own cooking. So yeah, I love it. Right. So I think with that said, Coconuts, let's dive into today's session. So today's uh, company is none other than, drum roll, please, the one, the only legendary alphabet, uh, aka Google. <laughs> Right. So, uh, first of all, I think if you have no idea what Google is or what company this is, then I think this podcast will not be able to help you because you've probably been living under a rock for the last 50 years or so. Okay, But anyway, what happens is today's segment, it's specifically on Google. And I think Google is a very interesting company because it's extremely huge, but it's still growing at very, very jealous rates that other companies can only look at even though other companies are much smaller so we'll do a quick jump uh, 50,000 foot view from the top so maybe Chris you can walk us a little bit through about what exactly stupid question is Google and what do they do just in general from a business perspective sure Max 
so Google uh, or Alphabet, which is essentially the holding company of Google, yep. they penetrate every almost every part of our life. You see it in your email, through Gmail, you see it in your Google Maps, you see it in YouTube. But ultimately, how they make money and their business model is still pretty much through ads, mm. digital ads, just like Meta, right? Yeah. Uh, although Alphabet or Google uh, does not have such a high concentration of revenue in digital ads, unlike Meta. I think a Meta or Facebook makes around 90 plus, 95 or 98% of its re- revenue from online ads. That's right. While for Alphabet, they make around uh, 85% of that through online ads because they also have other businesses yep. like in hardwares, uh, Pixel smartphones. Mm. So that's generally the overview. So basically, Google is a wholly owned subsidiary of Alphabet. Yep. Um, they own things like Google Play Store. Uh, they make money from the sales of apps in your Google Play Store, in your Android phones. They make money from the contents in their YouTube and they also make money from cloud services, fees, and other licensing revenue. So that's generally the overview of what Alphabet does yep. from the top. Got it. I, I love it. So I think uh, we're just going to kind of tease the listeners to listen to this episode closely because uh, two things that Chris mentioned earlier on that I'll be diving a little bit more in depth with him is uh, something that a lot of investors are also looking closely at for Google. Number one is the cloud business, right? Because uh, that's uh, close comparisons to whether it's AWS or whether it's uh, Azure, right? And number two is actually YouTube, which has a lot more traction these days. But I think first and foremost, I want to talk about just from an overall revenue growth point of view first. So that the uh, listeners can get some, I would say, financial backdrop of this. So we can start from the top line. So maybe you can just walk us through a little bit of what has been their revenue growth over the last few years, or maybe even the recent one or two years or the quarters uh, from COVID-19 period, so that we know uh, what we're dealing with down here. Yeah, sure. So in terms of uh, revenue growth, one of their fastest growing um, revenue performance Mm -hmm has recently been driven by uh, the search and the cloud. So they are also making a lot of investment over the years in AI and computing. Ultimately, their focus is to make their services valuable for their customers because if it's valuable, then uh, people use it. If people use it, then they can run ads on it, right? So in terms of revenue growth uh, as a company, they have been doing very well in 2021 Yes, because of COVID, right? So in 2021, the revenue grew about um, 62% year over year in 2021 yep. to about 61.8 billion-ish. Yep. Uh, in mm. constant currency revenues year on year, is about 57%. That's in 2021. Yeah. So recently, I was looking at his latest uh, quarterly earnings, which was uh, ending June 30, 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, their revenue growth, yep. they are still growing, yes. uh, but it dropped from 62% year-on-year to 13% year-on-year. Exactly. So in constant currency revenues year-on-year is about 16% uh, because the USD in, um, appreciate in value, right? Mm. So that's the result. Um, but if, let's say, you're looking at it in comparison with its... Uh, nearest so-called digital ads competitors, yes. they actually fared much better because uh, for Meta, its <laughs> <laughs> revenue is actually down, right? Negative, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. For so, the latest quarter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
got it. So yeah, I think I wanted to kind of establish the context because first and foremost, you know, in the investing circle, people like to say, yeah, you know, it's a very big company. How much more can they grow? But this is like, like the memo for the juggernaut in the, in the S&P and it grew a whopping 60 plus percent just in 2021. So I think that's something to look at. But of course, uh, the recent 30% uh, latest quarter growth is, of, of course, I know it's kind of uh, finding a tougher comparison based off last year's quarter. So understandable. And maybe you can talk a little bit, a little bit about the margin profile from a gross uh, margin margin uh, profit point of view for the listeners and then maybe the EBIT which is the uh, operating margin so that at least we know what numbers we're dealing with before we jump in further on an overall group basis. So uh, overall on a group basis mm. I think we are looking at around 56-ish percent gross margins for yep. Alphabet yep. on an overall group basis. Mm-hmm. So if you compare that to its competitors uh, it's pretty decent. Yep. I would say that, uh, of course, me- a meta gross margins is still higher at yeah. over 80%. Of course, uh, yeah. uh, and uh, followed by Microsoft is also another yeah. tech company that has a yeah. very high gross margins. So Alphabet gross margins at about 56% is very strong in my view. And that actually shows a uh, uh, competitive advantage, mm-hmm. right? So if you look at their operating margin, which is basically taking into account uh, the operating income, yes. which is revenue minus operating expenses yes. over its r- revenue, so operating income over a revenue, their operating margin is around uh, 29.65%. Yes, fantastic. So that is a fantastic operating margin. And by the way, operating margin is... Uh, one of the five things that Professor Aswath Damodaran like to look at yes. when he analyzes companies, right? Because uh, it's important as all companies need a good operating margin to pay its fixed costs, mm. such as its interest on debt. So while we are at the margin discussion, a quick look at its net profit margin uh, for such a big company is yep. also amazing because we are looking at about a 25.89% net profit margin for Alphabet. Yeah, my goodness. For such a huge company. So like Max, just now I mentioned for such a big company, they grew their revenue top line. It's not bottom line, a top line. A bottom line, they can grow it by maybe cutting costs and things like that. But top line revenue at 61% in 2021 is amazing. And they are still growing despite some headwinds in the digital ad space, right? Yes. And I think that is probably because of the fact that um, their total addressable market is still growing. Uh, They make it easier for people to do digital ads. Mm. They make it easy for all the small and medium businesses to do that. Mm. And while we are on this topic, I think it's also one of their competitive advantage. Having a large source of customer right so they are not concentrated on maybe the top three customers yes. or the top five customers yep. so i think uh that's very uh, powerful and that is a source of mode for alphabet and, and that's because like google advertisements uh they are not just like an advertising agency where they only advertise for one or two brands right it's kind of even the small mom and pop retailers can also advertise through what we call google adwords right yep yep exactly in fact i think uh that's their key differentiation, right? Yep. So they make it so easy for people to, you know, if you have a business and you have yep. cer- a certain keywords that you want to target, yep. you can do that. Yeah, and then pay per click. Yeah. yeah, and you pay per click. And yep. I mean, it's not cheap, but pay per click is a, 
it's a high intent, right? As mm. opposed to maybe like meta platforms where you know sometimes if they click your ads, it might be just you know they're scrolling and things like that. Yep. That's right. Yeah. So I, I think now that you mentioned it, I love it because uh, you kind of took me naturally to the point I wanted to dive in deeper. So just to kind of summarize, Chris, just correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I'm just going to segment Google for simplicity of the users into a few different things we want to focus on today. Number one is just the general advertising uh, segment. I know that part involves YouTube because I know Google lumps this together as like Google services or advertising, but I'll just put like the AdWords, the advertising segment as one. I'll put YouTube as a segment we want to jump in separately today. And then the last one is uh, the cloud business because I think that's something that's very, very exciting to talk about. So let's start with the advertising business first. So let's do a quick comparison uh, between like Google and Facebook. Now, obviously, I think due to the Apple tracking transparency, the app tracking transparency, ATP, mm. right? Uh, we all know Facebook has taken a big hit due to headwinds on, in targeting down there. Google, probably not as much, but I want to hear your take. So how do you see this landscape evolving after Apple's uh, ATT kind of hammer being uh, hammered down? Uh, how does it affect Facebook and Google separately? And do you think Google actually has an advantage here? Sure, Max. So I think I didn't, I'm a shareholder of both uh, a meta platforms or Facebook yeah. and Alphabet, right? I, uh, I'm i not a shareholder of Apple mm-hmm. because I didn't fully appreciate the competitive <laughs> advantage that yeah. Apple actually or, has. Or is it because they kind of put the ATT on your two companies so you just refuse to own them? <laughs> it's because... Okay, just uh, joking. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's because I realized that Apple has a lot of power mm-hmm. because yeah. I'm sure you also know that it has been made public that Google or Alphabet pays Apple billions of dollars a year Correct. to make their search uh, the, being the, the default, default, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so that actually shows why, why do you need to pay a company yeah. billions of dollars yeah. a year because they, they are the gatekeeper yeah. to the users. Correct. I think the line in the financial statement that they show is a customer acquisition cost. Is it? That's, that's the label that they use. In might the be, statement. yeah. Okay. Yeah, might be, right. Yes. So, so they are the gatekeeper and... Um, and the apps uh, like Facebook or Google basically have to comply, right? Because they own the hardware. Mm. So, by the way, maybe that's also the reason why Meta is trying to sort of do their best to create the best hardware for the next generation platform Could in be. the VR space because yeah. they sort of they have an aspiration to own the hardware. Mm. Although it's gonna be hard, but yeah. but but let's see what's gonna happen. I do not think that Google is uh, as affected as mm-hmm. Facebook. Why not? Yeah. Because uh, Facebook rely on, from my no- knowledge, uh, Facebook rely on a lot of uh, sort of like they need to track the users' behaviors across websites. Correct. Right. Yeah. So, based on the behaviors of these people across a website, they can use this to target back at Facebook Correct. so after we look at this website this website and then you go back to your Facebook and Instagram and then you yeah. see that thing again so it's based on the targeting based on the pixel which is what we call yeah. it yeah okay. so that's actually very powerful because that has the retargeting effect yeah. so maybe if uh, you are not uh, you don't want to buy yet yeah. you see that brand then maybe days later you yeah. see that brand again okay now I want to buy well for Google on the other hand is um it's based on intent. So nice. if you have an intent on uh, searching for the best coffee in Paya Lebar, yeah. right? And then if you are if you have a cafe that sells coffee in Paya Lebar, you can have an ad there. Mm. And then you already have an intent to go for 
the best coffee, right? Mm. So that's actually a very high quality thing. And I think that's the key differentiation. And uh, I mean, for YouTube, it's also very interesting because for YouTube, if you watch a video on something, if you watch a video on maybe how to bake a cookie, mm. if you think about it, the ads can be related to yes. cookies, right? So that's also yeah. the intent. Correct. Then you can sell some cookie baking, yeah. you know, set or whatever. So, so that's actually very powerful. But for Facebook, they're trying to, you know, okay, you subscribe to, you know, uh, these groups, this interest, they're trying to do that also. Uh, but I think it wasn't, they still cannot get over uh, the previous effectiveness of being able to, you know, track different. Yes. And that was pretty accurate before Apple came in to yeah. kind of uh, yeah. stir the pot. Okay, yeah. got it. So yeah, I think uh, what we're getting here is that Facebook is more on a targeting basis, whereas uh, Google's ad business is more of an intention basis. In in general, of course, I'm yep. sure there's some crisscrosses here and there. Like yep. Google, I believe you can also do a little bit of targeting, but that's yep. the general uh, how you segment them. So yes, now that we understand the advertising business, so I think I want to go into specifically, which is a very big thing, which is YouTube. So, you know, like YouTube is a, is a segment where, you know, I think when they first acquired it, like nobody really thought that much of them. But in the recent earnings calls, because I do, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not invested in Google, but I do follow the earnings calls quite closely because I really enjoy just seeing how they kind of take the endless questions. In the recent quarters, a lot of, a lot more attention has been placed on YouTube. And I think the, the growth was phenomenal during the COVID-19 period. Right, but what happens? I think the growth recently for YouTube actually slowed down. Uh, correct me if my, my financials are wrong. I believe YouTube's current recent growth rate in the latest quarter was like four uh, percent. <laughs> like yep. whereas before that, uh, in the previous year, they were like you know twenty, thirty-ish percent, and everything. Mm. So there's a slight slowdown. You see a lot of analysts asking questions on YouTube monetization and even the growth. So uh, I want to hear your thing. Let's talk about YouTube. Mm. Do you think YouTube still has potential to grow, and why or why not? And what is the value that you can bring over to Google. Yeah. Yeah, so YouTube is a is a very important asset for Alphabet right now. Mm-hmm. So um so I think previously when they wanted to acquire YouTube, of course, you know, there need to be some convincing as well. So if I'm not wrong that person who sort of convinced uh Alphabet to acquire YouTube is now heading the YouTube. <laughs> nice. Uh so you're right that the YouTube uh ads uh, revenue has slowed, so it was about seven billion in 2021. In 2022, uh, quarter ended June 30. It only increased by about 340 million ish to mm. about 7.34 billion. Yes. So that's pretty decent because that is like, uh, sort of if you think about it, that is the third highest, uh, source of revenue for Alphabet company in total. Uh, the first being the Google search, yes. of course, followed by the Google network. Uh, and then the YouTube ads, right? Mm. So moving forward, YouTube, in my view, uh, personally, I don't use much YouTube, but a lot of my friends uses YouTube a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think YouTube has a lot of optionality built into it because you notice that, you know, traditionally, they have always been about videos and things like that. But if I'm not wrong, uh, they are also... uh, moving into podcasts yes, that's and right. they're moving yeah. into music, yeah. right? So yeah. they're trying to, you know, take the share of proven business model of Spotify. Yeah. yeah. So and that's also YouTube unique. Shorts, right? Which is the TikTok kind of uh, clone as well. Yeah. yeah. So there's that optionality built into it, right? Okay. Because you already have a YouTube channel, you have your subscribers and then how you can like leverage on your users. 
plus the nice thing about YouTube, right, is that it's also user-generated content. Mm. Yeah, so like Facebook, like TikTok. So that's actually quite powerful as opposed to, you know, where you have to spend billions and billions every year, like Netflix, yes. you know, to <laughs> to invest, to, Correct. To, to simply keep the people not leaving, you know. Yeah. But YouTube is user-generated and it's free, right? Uh, so yeah. I think that's a very strong uh, business model. Got it. So I, I think um, speaking of YouTube, so you're right in the sense where YouTube kind of increases the modalities for the different users of Google's uh, services, whether the advertising can be targeted by intent or it can be targeted by you watching your video and then the algo knows what you like. So will you say there's a little bit of clone towards what Facebook was also doing? So the Google search works based on intent, right? They want we all get yeah. like search like uh where's the nearest vet for my dog and I can find it. Uh, but for YouTube, it's also based on a little bit on intent but I search for the videos but a lot of it is also based on the algo that pops up and then the ads that's shown is also a little bit based on the channels that I watch. So what do you think? Would you say actually there's a little bit of trying to clone Facebook's uh, algo model as well? Yeah, I, I do think there's some similarities and of course, these companies, uh, companies like Alphabet, they are spending uh, billions of dollars in R&D and they are always using AI to just to see what makes sense for the users. Um, maybe there, have, there are some aspects with regards to that. But ultimately, I would say uh, uh, Meta's business is still pretty much social. Mm. It's about family and friends update, mm. groups updates. Okay. While YouTube business would probably... Uh, revolve more around interest and probably yes. there are some social aspect where you know some live videos that you can have chat yeah. but it's not as like okay. social so the social graph is in the main yeah. part okay yeah. fantastic okay got it so from what I'm hearing from Chris uh, the advertising business is a juggernaut in the first place and the advertising business to kind of break it down consists of the search consists of Google Network which is also part of the ad segment and YouTube which is also part of the advertisement segment so I believe this makes up the bulk of their revenue right now and it's also the highest margin profile business Right, so the reason their margin is slightly lower than uh, Facebook is likely because they have the other bets or the cloud that kind of uh, neutralizes the higher margin profile. Right, like you mentioned, yep. Facebook was at eighty plus percent gross margins, whereas uh, like uh, like for um, Google is a bit less at like fifty ish. It's because yep. it gets diluted. Yep. yep, and also because uh, Alphabet uh, has moonshot investments yeah. in place for uh, bets yeah. like you know a. Uh, I think uh, last time they are trying to do this Google Fiber, okay. which is uh, faster internet access to homes, right, yeah. in this Google Fiber. But from what I understand, it's not working that well. Yeah. And I invested in another company called Comcast. Yeah. So, their, oh, yeah. Okay. so their cable business is yeah. still pretty solid and pretty powerful, free yeah. cash flow generative. And it's yeah. hard to take the market share away from them. Yeah. Um, the one that has seems to be more... Uh, seems to progress better for Alphabet is Waymo, yeah. the self-driving cars. So that's under their moonshot investments. Yeah. Do they lump all this under other bets? I presume so, right? It's under the other bets segment, right? In the, in the like, financials? Yes. Okay. yes, so it's under the other bets segments. Yeah. They are actually making revenue already, you know, okay. Max, yeah. this, uh, these other bets. Okay. Uh, in 2021, uh, a quarter ended June 30 is about $192 million for the other bets segment. Nice. Okay. It, for, uh, in the 2022, uh, a quarter ended June 30 is about $193 million. Mm. Uh, but 
their loss is 1.398 billion and 1.686 billion <laughs> respectively. So, uh, but I think it's good that they are doing this because it's only the innovators can last, right? Who who can compound over time? So their R and D has been growing at about 14% a year in the last three years, uh, and it remains at only about 11 to 12% of their revenue. Which I think so that means that while they are investing in the future, it sort of they maintain it at about eleven to twelve percent of their revenue. But because of their revenue increasing, their R and D has also been growing in the past few years. Yeah. So I think to give the listeners some context, right? So Chris is uh, fantastic at breaking that alphabet right now. So just just to give a bit of context, the Google advertising segment takes up about 80% of the entire group's revenue based on what you shared just now. So, and then these other bets and the cloud and a few other stuff uh, takes up the balance uh, remaining, which is in this case 20%. So I want to focus now on, uh, let's put the other bets on hold for a while first. We'll come back slightly later. This thing called Google Cloud. (laughs) Okay, so uh, why I want to talk about Google Cloud is because I think for the cloud business, it's been made very popular and mainstream among investors is because of the none other than one and only AWS. So we all know that the addressable market for the cloud business is pretty much uh, still in early days. And even though you look at like the cloud business, just to give some context for listeners, uh, the cloud business did uh, 6.3 billion in revenue just this recent quarter. That's only a very small percent. Just to give the context to the listeners, Google's revenue this quarter is 70 billion and the cloud business is only 6.3 billion. So it's slightly less than 10%. But if you look at it just from an absolute number, it's 6.3 billion in a quarter. So that in itself is a juggernaut of a business. In it. If I, if I kind of times fall over like a year, that's close to like a 25 billion a year run rate business. So, but yet they're also burning a lot of cash for the cloud business. So I want to talk about, uh, the question for you is this, right, Chris? So uh, Google Cloud versus AWS versus like Azure. So I'm not sure maybe uh, have you like deep dive into the cloud business yet, but is it possible for Google Cloud to continue taking share despite AWS being like the big player in the jungle? Yeah, yeah, so I think the cloud, as you mentioned, Max, is a very... uh popular areas of growth yes for many businesses <laughs> like the AWS yeah uh, I'm not I'm not entirely sure of the of the market share of AWS but mm. I do know it's a huge market share and they're leading the market yes. uh, by leaps and bounds right mm. and in fact that's their the cash flow generator for Amazon yeah uh, the cloud business is uh, is growing uh, for the whole industry in general I'm also vested in another company called Micron, mm. uh, which, nice. which is uh, like Monish Barbara has yes. it also, and, yeah. uh, and Lilu. So yeah. uh, if, if I'm not wrong, a Micron growth is also through uh, supplying memories for the cloud uh, yeah. segments and the cloud companies, yeah. right? So for Google, uh, I'm not surprised that it's an area of growth for them. Uh, so Google Cloud is an area where Google actually leverages on its Technical expert, technological expertise to create and maintain their focus in the private cloud uh, platform, right? Uh, and their goal right now is to drive more revenue for the company. Mm. So in terms of growth, you rightly pointed out that it's growing fast. Mm. It's actually at about uh, 4.6 billion-ish in the quarter ended June 30 in 2021. Yes. It went up to about 6.8 
2.76 billion-ish yes. in the uh, quarter ended June 30, 2022, yeah. right? And just to give some context, guys, that is a 37, 37% growth rate year on year. Yeah, <laughs> so, so there's yeah. a 37% growth rate yeah. uh, year on year. Yeah. Uh, and that's and that's amazing because you see all the other segments yeah. did not grow as fast yeah. anymore, right? Yeah. So, but it's still money losing. Yes. It's about, uh, I think they were their operating loss yeah. uh, for the latest quarter yeah. uh, was about uh, eight hundred and fifty-eight million Correct. for the Google Cloud, yeah. right? But uh, you will notice that Sundar Pichai, mm. the CEO of Alphabet and Google, yeah. Um, he seems to be quite proud of the performance of the cloud because he said that uh, these are really the area where mm. he's uh, particularly like making more investment in. And I mm. think we should be able to expect that in the future, uh, Google Cloud will actually still have some uh, growth runway ahead of them mm. yep. for the it. segment. Although now it's still at a loss and that's why like you yeah. see overall or maybe that's why the margins for Alphabet the gross margins is not as high as Meta. Yes, because, because Meta's yeah. fully concentrated, like 98%, uh, yeah. leaves like 98.5% on ads, whereas yeah. Google has these other bets in the cloud business, right? Fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. I think now that you kind of mentioned it, since you also brought up, like, you know, uh, uh, we were talking about like AWS and stuff. I want to talk about, yes, so let's talk about moats right now, mm. right? Which uh, as a really proper investors <laughs> we always look at modes like Buffett says so let's talk about the mode for Google what modes does Alphabet or does Google have in your opinion um, Google has uh, some of the competitive advantage and the mode that I think is quite durable one of it is uh, high switching costs mm-hmm. especially for um, maybe for its products like Gmail okay you know, where you have all your, you know... Uh, yep. So all the data is inside. Yeah, right? all your data. Okay. And if you have an email, then if you want to change email, maybe you are lazy to do that. Mm. Plus, it maybe like cost you uh, free or maybe just about $10 or what per month, right? Yeah. And of course, there's also the uh, economies of scale mm. and the network effect, right? Because if you look at uh, YouTube mm. uh, and if you look at the Google Networks, uh, like what goes behind the search and all their algorithms, how they crawl through all the websites. Yeah. Uh, so there's actually a lot, a lot of technological expertise and innovation behind it. And yeah. they're spending a lot of R&D on it, more than any other company that's trying to uh, take the market share. Understand. And yeah. it's, you know the part where you mentioned like switching costs. So here's the part where I, I kind of agree. I think it's very interesting. But in a sense, you see, uh, like, is it easy to switch to another search provider? Actually, yes, you can. You can do it in seconds. But the question <laughs> then is, who is the other search provider you're going to switch Bing. to? <laughs> like, yeah, Bing. <laughs> or is it like Yahoo? Right? So you're yeah. not going to do that. So in a way, can you switch? Yes. It's not like you're locked. This is not like a SaaS software. Right? Yeah, but then, yeah. okay, you can switch. But you switch to who? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, yeah. unless you're in China, then that's a different story. Yeah, right? You know? yeah, then you've got to yeah. use like a different engine. So yeah, you nailed it very, very well. But yeah. I want to talk a bit, a bit about like um, the network effects. Can you elaborate a bit about the network effects for Google? So when you mention like uh, on YouTube, or do you mean like because there's more more advertisers and because of that like there's going to be more users because they make more money and they can kind of like how, how, how does network effect for Google play out? Because uh, in my view because YouTube is a user generated content business mm. Mm. so um, so people post videos there mm-hmm. 
not only because uh, YouTube can host it, but yeah. also because uh, you host and then you share with friends, right? Yeah. So uh, when you do that, actually what happens is that uh, when you share the videos with friends, you are sharing from a YouTube a website, right? Yeah. So ultimately, uh, when more people, because YouTube is the dominant player now yes. in video. Yeah. If I'm not wrong, they are, they are, I think they are up there in terms of streaming hours, right? With like companies like Netflix, mm. Hulu, yeah. etc. In terms of streaming hours, you know, if I'm not wrong, they are the top three or something, yeah. right? So when so many people, so many people are already viewing. YouTube, some of them on a daily basis, then when they actually want to, you know, if they do want to uh, create their own channel and, you know, upload their own videos, they will definitely go to YouTube. Got it. Plus, they already have the skill. So they know that yeah. there are some organic people who are already searching on YouTube. So it's the first provider of Got choice it. already. So more content brings in more eyeballs. More eyeballs brings in more content. More people want to make content there and yeah. then the flywheel just spinning and spinning and yeah. spinning. So just to share with you something on YouTube because I think earlier you mentioned you probably don't use it as much but uh, you know like YouTube is insane. Like I personally, I, I this sounds so embarrassing. In my free time when I'm a little bored, I just go over to YouTube because I have premium yep. and then I just watch random three minute snippet videos and because they've <laughs> already known what my interests are, example, like I watch like maybe mini snippets of friends or mini snippets from movies or like the Avengers yep. that I just want to rewatch, and then once I click on those things they just show other mini snippets from similar movies and similar genres yeah. of uh, dramas that I love and then they just show like mini snippets of the office of friends and then it's all just three minutes long but you can just spend half an hour just <laughs> watching and so it's and it's better than Netflix because Netflix each show is at least like you know half an hour half an hour stuff, yeah, right? like, yeah. this is just three minutes but the three minutes becomes like one hour and I don't even know that time flies by and, and yeah, that's just yeah, yeah. Uh, you're totally right and I do yeah. it just out of boredom <laughs> Yeah, 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 and that's the power of yeah. the AI and the algorithm. Fantastic, yeah, yeah. It, so that's the playbook that companies like TikTok yes. is using also. Yeah, so yeah. AI is is really so it's no longer the social graph, which is where Facebook started because of like social networks. It's now based off like the uh, algorithms, AIs, uh, artificial mm. intelligence, and stuff. Okay, fantastic. So yes, I think we've covered kind of uh, YouTube. We've covered the Google advertising segment and also Google Cloud. So let's uh, and also the modes, right? So the modes you've mentioned uh, there's there's the network effects there more users more viewers and then vice versa the whole thing mm. happens so let's uh, focus on the very interesting question right now valuation <laughs> okay, so uh, this is every investor probably they're just all waiting for this part where, okay yeah I know I want to buy Google don't have to tell me Chris but you know like this price I know they also did the, the stock split so the stock looks cheap right now but you know we all know that's not how you should gauge cheap because it's always about the valuation so yes uh, I'm not sure what price they're at now what market cap but so uh, is this a good price to invest into Google what do you think Chris uh, yeah, so valuation is always a factor, right? Yeah. When we think about companies and it's a very important factor as well. Um, so uh, maybe we can start by thinking about it in a general view of relative valuation. Mm. We can look a little bit into uh, maybe their price to earnings or price okay. to uh, cash flow. Okay. So if you look at Google's current price to earnings, um, it's actually around 20-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. 20 plus That's if I'm not fair. wrong yeah. right. and price to cash flow is around from the last time I saw it's around 16-ish and the interesting thing is if you look at its 5 um, year average mm. uh, its price to earnings 
on average is around 33-ish and price to cash flow is around 19-ish. Yeah. So we are seeing that the current uh, price earnings and price to cash flow is below its uh, historical yeah range. historical five-year okay. so-called average. But for companies like Alphabet, I like to look at it from a point of view of uh, free cash flow because okay. they are free cash flow positive and they have predictable and sort of growing yes. free cash flow in the last three to five years. Yes. So I usually look at it, I make some, which is in my view, some reasonable assumptions on its free cash flow mm-hmm. based on the past, based on my understanding of the company and moving forward, right? So how I look at it is that I looked at um, the past five years rough free cash flow compounded annual growth rate okay. which is about 20.7%-ish okay. right? and then I think that uh, moving forward maybe in the next 10 years I don't think it's going to grow as much but mm-hmm. I do think it will still grow okay. so I make about maybe I think it will grow at roughly two-thirds okay. the, the past five years average right? and then uh, so we are looking at maybe I'm assuming so my assumption is about 13.3% a year for the next 10 years. Okay. And then after that, a perpetual growth rate of maybe around uh, 5%-ish. Okay, so this is a terminal right. growth rate you're using. So, yep. so uh, sorry to cut you off a little bit. So for the listeners uh, listening in right now, so Chris is using uh, a discounted cash flow model in this case because you kind of covered the relative valuation just now for the PE multiple. So now he's going deeper into the, the DCF. So you're assuming, uh, uh, do you say 13%? I'm yeah. uh, I think about thirteen point three percent. So my assumption is around there for the next ten Got years. It. From year one to year yeah. ten. Okay. So this is like so called my base case assumption. Understand. Um okay. then uh then I look at what's the value, right? Okay. Uh, today. Yeah. So uh I'm using a cost of equity or a discount rate of yeah. of about ten percent. Okay, okay. Yeah. So discount rate of ten percent, then your terminal value is five percent. Yeah, okay. about five percent. Yeah. So, so to some people might be on the high side. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. uh, you can. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you can like adjust it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, got it. So yes, what's the magic number that that has brought <laughs> us to? What's the intrinsic value? So um, I think before margin of safety yeah. is about one eight nine. Okay. So after margin of safety. Um, so I thought of what's a good margin of safety for yeah. Alphabet, right? Yeah. So my personal opinion is that it's a pretty great company yeah. and they are run by pretty great people, yeah. right? So the margin of safety, I put it at a, quite a low rate of 5%. Okay. So I get about, based on my assumptions, a value of about $179.8. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're really willing to go for it at fair value, right? Not much. Yeah, because, because it's quality a quality pretty great company. Okay, and what's the price at right now? Right now, yesterday, uh, <laughs> the market like sort of like yeah. crash, you know. Yeah. Uh, Just to give some context, guys, this is being recorded on 27th August. So yesterday was Friday, 26th August. So yeah, the market yeah. went through a deep correction. <laughs> yes, after, yeah. Um, yeah. after Fed Powell yes. statement, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think the current price is about... If I'm not wrong, it's about one hundred and ten. Oh. Yeah, one hundred and ten. Okay. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, so... So it's actually at very... So it's it, in from this perspective of DCF, of course, yep. uh, you have to make your own assumptions if you're listening mm. in. This is considered uh, undervalued, quote-unquote, or deeply discounted. Or maybe not deeply, but just quite discounted, right? Of course, please take note, this is not a stock recommendation. Yes, <laughs> right? yes. Yeah, but uh, yes. based on this uh, DCF model that you did, uh, it's actually okay to actually enter at this price. Am I right to say so? Based on your own valuation. Yeah, metrics. so based on my assumptions, yeah. it seems cheap. Uh, it seems undervalued and it's a pretty great company with mm. a durable, uh, in my view, a durable mm. competitive advantage. Got and it. Um, yeah, it's something that you can see it still there, you know, in the next five years. Yeah. And I think they will still be strong. Yeah. Fantastic. So I'll do a sum up of how uh, Chris did the valuation. So he uses, uh, the thing I love is that, so, you know, a lot of us, when valuation, we always just use one method, but Chris is uh, very, very open-minded to realize, oh, he's, he's using two different valuation metrics or styles. So the first one was a relative valuation. So the PE uh, that he actually derived for the price to free cash flow, whichever you use, is actually below the historical. So it's considered slightly below uh, or cheap in that sense. And then from a DCF point of view, you use like a, the current growth rate is about 20 plus percent. So you use like maybe two thirds of that, which is 13% all the way for the next 10 years. And then it continues growing to perpetuity all the way for 5%. Then you discount at 10%, that gets you to about 180-ish, which is uh, still higher of an intrinsic value than the current market price. So of course, you've got to make your own decisions down there. Right? Yep, absolutely. Okay. So yeah, Chris is laughing because it's like, he just bought some Google last night, did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my average cost yeah. is around 100 and. 14-ish. Okay, 14, yes. nice, nice. Right, so yeah, he, he has skin in the game. Okay, but anyway, <laughs> I don't want to get too much into stock tips. But okay, so last thing which I want to focus on before we kind of end off. So Google is so big, Chris. You know, this is the like, standard pushback. Yeah, so I know the valuations is good, everything, but it's so big. Uh, it's a it's like the, the, the elephant in the jungle. Can it really grow some more from here? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> well, um, I think in investing, of course, we must always try our best to not only ask can it grow, but what's the consequence if we are wrong, right? Mm. And I think there are some risks in Alphabet still in terms of, you know, regulation risks because yep. they are so strong. Antitrust, yep. Yeah, and maybe if if the companies a break up so there's also uh, like I'm not sure if that's gonna be an upside or downside risk mm. or maybe if uh, if in the future you know the management may change style and some mismanagement and, and a growth a slows down right but so far uh, they have been proven to be able to grow mm. um, and I think as long as they continue to innovate and continue to focus on the users, I think they will be able to continuously add value. And if people can't live without these products, they can uh, have a good sustainable growth over the long run. Got it. So what you're saying is that even if like, you know, uh, minimum money provide hits, I win, tails, I don't lose that much. So if they continue growing, they are actually at a deep discount right now. Uh, if they don't, they still have solid products, solid uh, user base and everything. So it, this is not a company that's going to kind of go to zero in that sense because of how entrenched they are in people's lives, right? Yep. yep. To impossible. So likely not because yep. uh, I think they did a survey some time back. Uh, if I'm not wrong, they were saying that they did a survey to say that if this, these services are not free, how much will you pay for it? Mm. So they compared it with Facebook and then they compared it with Gmail, like Google Maps, like etc. Mm. So if I'm not wrong, Facebook is maybe like a few hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Then, if I'm not wrong, they were saying that for Google, yeah. for all these 
Gmail stuff, they are paying yeah. to pay 1000 and above. That makes sense, man. I yeah. mean, I, I can live without Facebook, but yeah. I can't live without Google. I mean, I, I've never, I, I've heard a lot of stories. I haven't been to China in a while, but people that go to China because we're so used to using Google and you go there and you suddenly realize, oh, how much, how valuable <laughs> Google is to you because you, you can't yep. use Google there. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. So yes, I think last but not least, thank you so much for sharing, Chris. Fantastic deep dive. Uh, where can the listeners find you or is there anything uh, about your investing strategies or tips that you want to share? Uh, thanks, Max. It's my pleasure. If uh, if you like to read some of my writings, you can go to my blog, readthingwealth.com. Mm-hmm. And if you like to learn more about my education service, VIM, Value Investing Mentorship, you can go to vim.sg to find out more and grab a free call with me. Thank you very much, Chris. All right, so that wraps up this episode on Google slash Alphabet. Thank you for listening, Coconuts. We'll see you guys in the next Stock Geek Out. Thank you. Hey, Coconuts. So I hope you learned something useful today. Definitely recognize that investing is a personal decision. We are not giving you recommendations here, but are always happy to geek out with you about different interesting companies and trends for the future. This series definitely has a lot more depth and terms, and we want you to tell us what stock to analyze. So if you have any feedback or ideas, do drop us a line through our socials or email us at hello at the financialcoconut.com. See you in our next episode.